millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from the Mississippi Office of Homeland Security with a reminder that you can report suspicious behavior to law enforcement or a person of authority by calling 1-888-4-SAFE-MS. Public safety is everyone's responsibility. If you see something, say something. Good morning. It's 830. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, heavy rains across the southern part of the state are causing flash flood warnings. Then the U.S. Justice Department sues Mississippi over its treatment of citizens with mental disabilities. Later, a baby in D'Iberville dies while under the watch of Child Protection Services. The director of the agency says they must do better. What we must do a better job of is making sure that every employee who goes out to home to determine whether the children are safe, every employee must treat it with urgency and must be well trained. And the city of Tupelo works to rebuild trust following an officer-involved deadly shooting in June. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Portions of South Mississippi are under a flash flood warning or warnings, which have been issued throughout the morning for that area of the state. Rain has been falling steadily over the past 24 hours across much of South Mississippi, and more rain is on the way. Harrison County is under a flash flood warning. And with us on the phone right now is Harrison County Emergency Management Director, Rupert Lacey. Good morning, Rupert. Good morning, Karen. I have to ask you first, are there any water rescues underway? We are very fortunate, knocking on wood right now, that we have not had to do any water rescues. Uh, It seems like our motorists are adhering to the warnings of turn around, don't drown on the roads that we've got barricaded as these heavy rains are starting to come back in the the Mississippi Gulf Coast and all three counties. Uh, We're starting to see our waters rise, and, and of course, our grounds are getting to the point that they truly are saturated. You said barricades. Are there barricades up now, blocking we, roads? We do have some uh, some roads that we're uh, we're finding some more washouts on, and uh, uh, again, we've got heavy rains here. That's that, that's the, the the reason for the flash flood warning until nine thirty for Harrison County. Uh, we've got rains offshore, but uh, uh, these waters are hitting very full creeks and ditches and, and canals and. Uh, uh, we're trying to post and update our uh, road closure list on our webpage at Harrison County. Uh, you know, from what the National Weather Service is saying, a lot of the communities along the coast and west, uh, southwest Mississippi have gotten, you know, anywhere from 6 to 11 inches in the overnight hours and are looking at 5 inches, 6 inches more. That's that's correct. Uh, I've just got off the uh, phone the uh, uh, Ken Graham, the director for the Slidell office, uh, just just was talking to me, did a personal phone call to let me know the the bands coming out of the Mississippi Sound, the Gulf of Mexico, uh, uh, are showing those higher higher rain values. 
luckily, last night we had light rain. We didn't start picking up some of the heavier rain, and it was very sporadic in Harrison County. Uh, until about 2 o'clock it started, and then it would stop a little bit. But uh, uh, we're catching up with everything this morning. And while your warning is uh, lasting for a few more hours, the watch is actually in effect till tomorrow morning. Have you checked with the forecast to see if the rain is supposed to continue all day today and tonight? The the uh, That is correct, uh, and they may have to extend the... Uh, uh, the flash flood watch, uh, there has been some discussion on that. Uh, but here in Harrison County, of course, uh, we'll be going into uh, river flooding because one of our rivers is uh, uh, sitting at 14 feet right now, the Bluxy River. We're watching Wolf River, uh, and we're, we're concerned about it coming up. But uh, those won't really get out of here if, if they flood, usually until about Sunday or so. So we'll, we'll still have flooding issues. Uh, we're hoping for a very nice sunny day, hopefully in the near future. <laughs> Rupert, are there people who live in areas, low-lying areas, that may require rescuing, and are you set up to do that? We are set up to do that uh, through our local assets of our Sheriff's Department, uh, Biloxi, Gulfport, uh, uh, Police Departments have uh, high-water vehicles that uh, have been purchased uh through surplus to uh, for simply that purpose. Uh, we have high water vehicles. We've used dump trucks in some of the other cities, uh, past Christiana, Long Beach, and in past flood, uh, and in Diaberville. Uh, Hanka or Jackson County has, if they're not using theirs, uh, theirs are on standby. And of course, working through uh, Mississippi and MEMA, uh, we, uh, uh, we know we have a, a Swift water water rescue team uh, that could deploy here. Our closest is, of course, in Hattiesburg, but typically we get mid-south out of the uh, uh, Brandon-Madison uh, area uh, if we uh, see it's going to be a prolonged type event. Uh, Rupert Lacey is Harrison County's Emergency Management Director. We wish you dry weather in the near future. We wish you good luck today, and thank you so much for being with us, Rupert. Thank you. Up next, the U.S. Justice Department sues Mississippi over its treatment of citizens with mental disabilities. We'll talk with a disabilities advocate. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The conventions are over. Candidates have been nominated with less than three months to Election Day. We don't know what's going to happen between now and then, but we will be here to help you understand it. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. Beginning August the 19th, Friday Night Under the Lights returns to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Russ Robinson. Join me, Jay White, Jake Wimberly, George Broadstreet, and the whole gang as we bring you all the scores and the stories that make up high school football across the state of Mississippi. So join us beginning August the 19th right here on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The Department of Justice is suing Mississippi for violating the Americans with Disabilities Act and Civil Rights of Institutionalized Persons Act. 
The suit claims the acts were not followed when the state failed to provide community-based mental health services for mentally ill adults. Governor Phil Bryant says the lawsuit is without merit. He says, quote, this appears to be yet another attempt by the federal government to dictate policy to the states through the courts. The current system of mental health in Mississippi has existed for many years, yet the DOJ has now decided to take issue with it, unquote. With us in the studio this morning is Joy Hogue, Executive Director of Families as Allies, an advocacy group for families dealing with behavioral and emotional challenges. Welcome, Joy. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Now, on your Facebook page this morning, you wrote this. We are at a critical juncture. Mississippians can work together to create services and supports that help people with mental illness live meaningful and productive lives in the community, but only if that process is transparent, honest, free of political posturing, and done in partnership with people with mental illnesses and their families. Not only would creating such services help more people, it would more efficiently use dollars we are already spending and help us avoid all the costs of this lawsuit if it progresses. Unquote. Mental illness affects one in five people. The problems cited in this lawsuit are relevant to all of us. What is this lawsuit essentially about? It's about um, the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed in 1990. And that's a law that basically says anyone should have the same opportunity and chance to live in the community as as anyone else, even if they have a disability so that they need reasonable accommodations to be able to do that. And that's why we see things like wheelchair ramps and wider doorways and things like that. So in 1999, the Supreme Court had a case called Olmstead that said those that same principle, that people with a disability um, also applies to people with mental illness. So people with mental illness need different types of services and supports to have the same chance an opportunity to succeed in the community as other people do. So it might be special help with finding a job or for a child, some special help at school, but those are the kinds of services and supports they need. And what this lawsuit is about is that we're not providing those kinds of services in the community for mental, for people with mental illness. Since 1999, or is this in recent years? Is there a time frame attached to this lawsuit? Okay. That. This is based on that Supreme Court ruling. And then right after that, all states were mandated to ve- to develop what's called an Olmstead plan so that they could start transitioning people out of facilities and back into the community in a way that really supports them and so that people weren't dumped out of institutions. So Mississippi started but didn't finish their Olmstead plan. And then... There was a series of Olmstead investigations of different states that began like 2008, 2009. And there was a complaint about Mississippi somewhere between 2009 and 2011 that precipitated the Department of Justice coming to the state and looking at how we were doing. And they did an investigation and issued their letters of their letter of findings in December 2011. And we were, we're the only state to date that had, um, findings about all three or three different parts of our system, our mental health system, that for people with um, developmental and intellectual disabilities, adults and children. Are the people with those disabilities automatically going into the state psychiatric hospital or are there still community based mental health care centers? There are. There is a whole series of community mental health centers and and they are working very hard to meet the need. So I don't want anyone to think that there aren't groups of people and individuals out there trying to do the right thing and fix this. The 
It's just that it's not a coordinated effort and not everyone's at the table. So we can't do it to the scale that we need to. And because of that, more people than should are ending up in institutional care. And most of our more of our money proportionally is going to institutional care, which is more expensive. And then it's a vicious cycle because then we don't have the money to develop the services in the community that would help people to live there. And we all know lawsuits can go on for years and right. years and years. So regardless of how this lawsuit ends, what can be done now? What's the next step in providing the best services possible for those uh, with developmental or mental disabilities? Well, I think the biggest thing is to bring everyone together. This is going to take far more than the Department of Mental Health, far more than the legislature. It's going to take every state agency. It's going to take people from the community. It's going to take other kinds of policymakers, the governor's office, the AG, and admit we have a problem, admit we all need to work together. And one of the biggest things, and this has not happened yet, is to have people with mental illness and their families and the organizations that represent them at the table to say what would really work. It's like even when we have built the equivalent of wheelchair ramps in Mississippi, we haven't asked anyone in a wheelchair to actually tell us if it works. So some of the community-based services we have are very well intended, but they don't necessarily help the people they, they're meant to help. Joy Hogue is executive director of Families as Allies, uh, an advocacy group for families dealing with behavioral and emotional challenges. Joy, thank you so much for coming in this morning. Thank you for having me. Up next, a baby in D'Iberville dies while under the watch of Child Protection Services. The director of the agency says they must do better. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Well, the conventions are over. Candidates have been nominated. With less than three months to Election Day, we don't know what's going to happen between now and then. But whatever it is, we'll be here to help you understand it. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. Hey, y'all, it's Felder Rushing. I'm the Gestalt Gardener, and I am so pleased to join y'all every week talking about gardening. You know, you don't have to be anybody or join anything to be part of this party. All we're going to do is talk about gardening and garden-related stuff and maybe a little psychology working in at the same time. Let's have a lot of fun on the Gestalt Gardener. This morning at 9 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The head of Mississippi's Child Protection Services is reacting to the reported death of a 10-month-old child in D'Iberville, saying his staff needs to act with greater urgency. The Sun-Herald reports the child died of malnutrition and dehydration, even though a CPS caseworker had recently visited the child's D'Iberville home. Child Protection Services was called on April 17th. The baby died May 4th. Her father committed suicide later that morning. CPS Commissioner David Chandler tells MPB's Evelina Burnett he is trying to instill a sense of urgency in employees. Also speaking is CPS Director of Special Investigations, Tanya Rogelio. We believe the public is entitled to know every detail pertaining to the fatality. And so that's, that is our practice and will continue to be our practice uh, that uh, we have been following since I have been here. I just I think it would be uh, it would be doing wrong to the family members to talk a lot about any preliminary findings. But once once they are final, then I believe that 
the public is entitled to know, and I appreciate very much your uh, quick response to, to this report. And uh, had Child Protection Services or DHS, as I think it was at the time, um, gotten any kind of reports about um, this child or, or her siblings before her death? Yes, there was a previous report the county office had received on April the 17th that was actually still under investigation on May the 4th. We typically, our policy allows 25 days to complete a child abuse or neglect investigation. So um, it was still within the 25-day investigatory period for the report that came in on April 17th when the child died on May 4th. Okay, have there been any actions taken by the agency in response to this case in terms of internally either changes in the way you conduct investigations or with the employees involved? I can tell you, and I believe every employee at this agency will tell there has certainly been changes in our practices. We want every call to be treated as though it is a matter of life and death because it may be. There's no such thing as a routine call for us. Every call is urgent. Every call must receive prompt attention, and it must be diligently investigated and every detail reported to the supervisors. Uh, The special investigative unit, which is headed by Ms. Rogelio, pays careful attention to all investigations. But but what we must do a better job of is making sure that every employee who goes out to a home to to, uh, determine whether the children are safe, every employee must treat it with urgency and must be well-trained and must be diligent in their jobs. MPB's Evelina Burnett with David Chandler and Tanya Rogelio of Child Protection Services on the death of a 10-month-old baby in D'Iberville. Up next, the city of Tupelo works to rebuild trust following an officer-involved deadly shooting in June. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Decker Mountain Radio Hour is on the road to Tupelo, Mississippi, Saturday, August 13th at 7.30 p.m. at the Link Concert Center. We'll have author Richard Grant, bluesman Sam Mosley, and rock and roll from the Kit Thorne Band. This show is free and open to the public. The Thacker Mountain Radio Hour in Tupelo at the Link Center, Saturday, August 13th at 7.30 p.m. More information at ThackerMountain.com. Here comes MD. Hey, y'all, it's Felder Rushing. I'm the Gestalt Gardener, and I am so pleased to join y'all every week talking about gardening. You know, you don't have to be anybody or join anything to be part of this party. All we're going to do is talk about gardening and garden-related stuff and maybe a little psychology working in at the same time. Let's have a lot of fun on the Gestalt Gardener. This morning at 9 on MPB Think Radio. MPB is getting its very own car tag. But first, we need your help. To begin production, we need 300 of you to say yes to the tag. Go to mpbonline.org slash car tag for more information and also to sign up. 
A portion of the fee goes to help MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. Thanks for your help, and we'll see you on the road. The conventions are over, candidates have been nominated, and with less than three months to Election Day. You don't know what's going to happen between now and then, but we'll be here to help you understand it. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Tupelo Mayor Jason Shelton is creating working groups to rebuild trust between the police and residents following the fatal shooting of Antoine Shumpert by a police officer in June. Shumpert, who was black, was killed by Officer Tyler Cook, who's white, after Shumpert ran during a traffic stop. Details of the shooting death are being disputed. A Lee County grand jury declined indicting Officer Cook in the death. Shelton tells MPB's Desiree Frazier the city is using input from the community to improve relations via six newly formed working groups. The six working groups that you mentioned, these um, would be part of a uh, addendum to our strategic plan for the city of Tupelo, which we refer to as the Tupelo Plan. Uh, these uh, six proposals would be incorporated into that plan, uh, and that's important because we want the plan tracks who's responsible for the implementation, where we are uh, in making progress on implementation, and then uh, whether we're successful in it. So uh, what these groups, the working groups, uh, their job will be to citizen-led, appointed by our city council and myself, citizen groups that will come up with proposals by November 1st for the Tupelo City Council to vote on and hopefully adopt. And if they adopt it at that time, it would become part of the Tupelo plan and we'd uh, go forward at that time. What are some of the issues you're going to be looking at in these groups? One of the issues is the uh, community-oriented policing. Since um, the uh, incident of June 18th, officer-involved shooting, there's been a tremendous call for the city of Tupelo to engage in more community-oriented policing. Uh, But, you know, the fact is we have held in the last two years under this administration 396 community-oriented policing uh, events. But, you know, if there's that call for more, then, you know, obviously we're not uh, doing as good of a job as we uh, would like to in getting the message out uh, about these events. So we're going to get that working group uh, to review what we're doing, how we're doing it, and how we can do it better, looking at possibility of a police advisory board. We're going to review cities' hiring and training policies. Uh, We're going to develop grassroots engagement through our neighborhood coordinator who uh, is an employee of the city. Uh, We're going to engage faith-based community groups to implement programs uh, directed at enhancing the community. And then we're going to, uh, hopefully, if it's approved by the council in the upcoming budget, uh, develop a task and purpose for a community outreach coordinator who would also be an employee of the city. Now, I understand uh, your recommendations were in part uh, issues that were raised by ministers in a coalition group? Uh, The NAACP uh, had um, requested uh, several of these. There's a a citizens group known as a coalition of of pastors that uh, also at least two of those issues were were put forward by that group. Uh, And then our council members, some of our council members, and then just citizens that we've had contact with. 
MPB's Desiree Frazier with Tupelo Mayor Jason Shelton. Before we leave you, uh, there's a lot to discuss in terms of weather. Generally, throughout the Gulf Coast and areas southwest and even south central, uh, flooding is either occurring, heavy rain is falling, heavy rain has fallen uh, already between 5 and 11 inches in some places of Mississippi and five, six, seven inches more may occur. There is a flash flood emergency for Oskaya in Southern Pike County. This has been going on for several hours, uh, a particularly dangerous situation. If you're in that area of Oskaya, you need to seek higher ground. Also, there's a flash flood emergency for Gloucester and Centerville. Again, a particularly dangerous, dangerous situation. Seek higher ground now. We have a line of showers affecting Pearl River and northwestern Hancock County. Um, we have showers in Pearl River, Amit, Wilkinson, Pike Counties. We have a lot of rain falling, and this rain is going to continue to fall, and it may create some very dangerous flooding situations. So pay attention to what's happening to the weather. Take care of yourselves. Take care of your neighbors. Don't go on a road that has water over it. You don't know how uh, that road, how deep the water might be on that road. So really take care today day especially. I'm Karen Brown. I hope you'll join us again Monday morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition. It's only on MPB Think Radio. Support for Mississippi Edition comes from the Mississippi Office of Homeland Security with a reminder that you can report suspicious behavior to law enforcement or a person of authority by calling 1-888-4-SAFE-MS. Public safety is everyone's responsibility. If you see something, say something. It's Marketplace Tech for Friday, August 12th. I'm Molly Wood filling in for Ben Johnson. A federal court ruled... 